Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. something about our, our God and, and his timing. Um, Gary mentioned when he received tithing offering and, and gave us our announcements that we've been talking about the kingdom and uh, our series that we're in right now is called missional community. You know, missional community. Uh, what you, what you heard about this morning so far is what do we got going on at the way? You know, what are we doing with the women? What are we doing with the men? Uh, where are we going to be going as a, as a church to this uh, beach party or next week to this picnic and, and testimonies about courses and everybody who's in this building and how can you grow and how can we be strengthened here as the way? But our actual series has been about being missional, which means outside of this church, which means about out there in the world out there at your workplace, out there with your family. So far in our series, we looked at missional community as we started from the perspective of changing our hearts and changing our minds to see God and his plans for others as primary, right? Our hearts and our minds are naturally uh, geared and shifted and focused on ourselves. Most of us when we leave here today, are going to be thinking about our week <laughs> and what we have going on, how hungry we might be by the time we get out of here today. It's about us. And there's this shift that God wants to do. If you are a Christian, he says, yes, you are important. I'm willing to die for you. And once you receive that, let's start thinking about other people. There's a shift. We looked at Peter and Peter said, I don't eat certain things and I don't go to certain people's houses. And God says, you're going to eat new things and you're going to go to people's houses that you've never been to before. And when Peter was willing to do that and he made that shift, he was able to see God move in a way that he had never seen before. He was able to see a group of people in a way that he had never seen them before. Then we looked at missional fathers on Father's Day. Actually, it was more about missional fathers and missional mothers. This idea of whether they're your biological children or they're your spiritual children, that we need to be missional. Kids are not just to be protected and hovered over. The Bible told us that they are arrows in a quiver that you're supposed to pull out, sharpen, strengthen, and then launch them out to do amazing things and go to amazing places. The idea that it's not just about what's happening here at home. The idea is to be missional, to send them out. Our kids are supposed to be lights in the world. Our kids are supposed to be weapons in the hands of God to change the world. Which means they can't be hovered over. I was, I was talking to a coworker last week, and I feel bad because I'm, I'm missional in many ways, but I'm also one of those hovering parents in many ways. When I was a kid, I think I was maybe, by the time I was 11, we'd get on our bike on Saturday morning, and you wouldn't see us until the streetlights came, came on on Saturday night. 
My kids aren't allowed to ride their bikes out of our cul-de-sac. <laughs> Things have changed, right? So on one side, I want to be missional, do something for God, go out there and be a risk taker. Nate gets to go to Elevate this year, like go learn something, be inspired, but don't go out around the block. <laughs> so there's some tension there that we're going to have to work through, right? We're going to have to work through that. I think about it all the time. You know, Mary and I talk about even just crossing the street. You're not supposed to break the laws, but like, I know how to jaywalk. My kids couldn't jaywalk to save their lives, right? Like, what is that going to look like when it comes time for them to be off in the mission field somewhere? What is that going to look like when it comes time to get a job, when they, when they go off to college? Like, this is something we're going to have to wrestle with, church. Missional mothers, missional fathers. Last week, we looked at missional communities as praying communities. We looked at Acts chapter 16. If you get a chance, go listen to the message or, or read Acts chapter 16. And prayer came before everything they did. Prayer came during everything that was happening. And prayer was the follow-up afterwards everything was happening. Prayer is just ingrained in what it means to be a missional community. We can talk about courses, but if we don't pray, nothing's going to happen. We can talk about outreach, but if we don't pray, we can go out there, but nothing is going to happen. We can talk about uh, marriages being restored and children being raised up, but if we are not praying and hearing from God, nothing is going to happen. Prayer has to be part of any true missional community. Wednesday night, uh, we talked about the fact that this summer, prayer is going to be in season. Right? We said, hey, it's summer. People want to hang out. People want to miss church. People want to go on vacation and all that. You know, it's just part of what it means to be summer. But prayer has to be in season. It can't be something that's like, oh, we're, we'll get back to that after the summer, right? This Friday night, we had praying in the spirit. So after Sunday being a message on prayer, Wednesday night talking about prayer being in spirit, I mean prayer being in season, Friday night it was special. We had so many people here for praying in the spirit on Friday night. God moved in a powerful way. Uh, our youth were here. It was just an exciting time to see people responding to the word of God. We can always come to church and hear it, but it's nice to see, hey, we heard it on Sunday, we heard it on Wednesday, and then here we are on Friday to pray together. Amen. It was great. On Wednesday, we also talked about gathering as a community being in season, and we talked about love being in season. So gathering as a community on, on uh, Saturday, yesterday, we went to a Christian's graduation party, pool party, and there was like 70% of our church there. <laughs> gathering as a community outside of church just to support this young man and what God has done and is going to do. But it was nice to see that, hey, I, that's what I'm hoping the rest of the summer looks like. If we go to fellowship with somebody, I want to see all these church folks there. I want to see us really gathering outside of, uh, outside of this building. Next Sunday when we have our, our, uh, our picnic, don't show up without bringing something. Don't just gather as the community like, oh, I'm going. Who brought what? No, you, what'd you bring? <laughs> Support each other. Be part of the community. It's going to be great. Talk about loving the community. You know, on, on Friday, uh, I was here, and uh, there's four youth leaders, you know, Julia and Gary, Zach and Megan, and, and Julia and Gary were gone. They were on their vacation, much needed time away and rest and family time uh, with all the serving they do. And then when I got here, you know, Zach's here, Megan's here, and they're preparing to love on these kids. None of their kids are in the youth. They've got two small kids, but they're here to love our youth. They have a, a hand in the fact that 15, and now it sounds like 17 of them are going to be going off to a service. Not expecting it, but after, uh, after they flew in, the Arakelians, they made it here on Friday night. Even though he wasn't going to be speaking, they came because not only do they love the kids, but they love Zach and Megan. They wanted to be there to support him as he's preaching. It was, it was special to see that. Saturday to see our teachers here loving on the, on the folks. Like, love is in season. 
Love is in season this summer. So this morning, missional community, I want to talk about how a missional community is an advancing community. Right? We're a missional community, missional mothers and fathers, a praying community, and this morning, a missional community is an advancing community. A church should always be heading somewhere, but that means that every individual and every family within a church has to be heading somewhere. In the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 12, Jesus says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What does that mean? Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, From the time of John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and violent people are attacking it. <laughs> In 2009, we went to Kenya, and, and they sang a song. It says, the violent take it, and they take it by force. I, I can never get that, that song out of my head. The idea is that the kingdom of God is advancing. It is growing. It is going somewhere. It is moving, but it's moving through a violent attack that is upon it. It's not this happy-go-lucky, we sing kumbaya, we hold hands, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's not the church. The church is actually trying to take ground from an enemy that is trying to kill us, and it is a violent battle. But it doesn't say the, the kingdom of God is sometimes growing and sometimes it's not. It's sometimes moving and sometimes it's not. It is alive, it is moving, it is advancing, but it's not an easy battle. We see casualties. We see casualties of good Christians that have, have fought the good fight and, and have been hurt, damaged, killed, just like we see the apostles and disciples were hurt, damaged, and killed. But we also see casualties of people who wanted to be part of the kingdom, but they never quite made it. The, the world came and got them. The violent take it by force. There is a battle for a missional community to be an advancing community. We just need to be aware of that, that it's not going to be easy. Some of us had a battle in our hearts and in our minds just to get here today. Some of us have been having battles in our relationships, in our finances, in our work situations. But we should be advancing. Somebody say amen. An advancing community. I was thinking about the difference between how certain communities advance and how the church advances. I've got a picture for you. To, uh, hopefully you got it back there. Got that first picture? This is, this is my new work community. I work for a company called Skanska. I had to show up to a Christian's party in a Skanska shirt yesterday. People probably looked at me like, what are you wearing with these little palm trees on your shorts? Okay, look, I got a new community. So this is, my, this is my new work community. We had a, a, a summer barbecue at the beach yesterday after our courses. So we, we ran down there, and I, and I thought about work communities. We all had to wear Skanska shirts. So these, these are a bunch of Skanska people. And I thought to myself, we all want Skanska to be successful. We want the company to grow. We want the company to make money. But you know why? It's because we all want checks to clear, <laughs> right? Like, my love for Skanska is contingent upon that check showing up every two weeks. If, if a check stops coming, or if they told me they were going to pay me and there's no money in the account, how long do you think my love for Skanska is going to last? <laughs> Not very long. My relationship with that community, and if you think about it, Everybody has a career. They're professional people, and they have skills, and they have talents. But you know what? If somebody makes a better offer to them, they're going to take those skills and talents and go to another community. 
with another company name where the checks actually show up. Nobody's willing to die for Skanska, <laughs> right? Second picture, another community I'm involved in. This, this is the Jarrett community. I, I don't know, you guys know me, like we're, we're just way too busy or something because this is from South Africa. We haven't posted a single picture from South Africa, but this is one of my favorites because we are like genuinely happy right now. You can tell that none of those are fake smiles where we had to take the picture 12 times. I said smile, I said smile. <laughs> and we're on an African coast of South Africa, on the coast, on the beach, and those are penguins. This ain't like a, a habitat. There's just penguins on the beach. <laughs> So this, this is the, the Jarrett community. Family is one of the, the most important communities. Many of us come here as a family. Many of us, we love our families, right? Um, it's interesting though, even though many of us are willing to die for our families, there's, there's a sense of isolation that is a part of most families, and, and stay with me here, right? So, so this is the Jarrett family, and what, what I've done is what I think a lot of people do is we build these borders and we isolate and we say, hey, this group of people is more significant than other groups of people to me. This group of people, uh, I have to put a border around, I have to protect them, I have to provide for them. They are unique in a particular way, and I am willing to die for them. This ain't the Skanska community, this is the Jarrett community, and we're willing to die for one another. But there's something interesting about even this community. That isolation, that protection, that willing to die, naturally what is going to happen is that we are going to be divided at some point. Nate is gonna build a family of his own and all this Jared community and penguins and, and borders and, and dying for each other, that is gonna change. He is gonna say, you know what, now I have another group that I'm willing to die for and, I, and I'm not willing to do that for you anymore, Dad for you anymore, mom. And the same thing's gonna happen to Naomi, the same thing is gonna happen to Niall. And some families don't do this well because then the parents have empty nest syndrome and they don't even know how to love each other, they don't know how to be in within a community themselves anymore. So even what, what the world has told us is the most important community, number one, we don't do it all that well, and number two, it doesn't last. But then there's the church. Then there's the church, the missional community of God. And it's different. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says, As the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. 
But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if any one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. The missional community church is an advancing community. But unlike these other communities that we've talked about, the missional community of the church, this body is knit together, it's joined together in a way that the individual members are not designed to operate as individuals. We cannot be successful, we cannot grow, we cannot advance as individuals. I can take my part of the Skanska body out and go do my own thing. I can do the Jarrett thing and be relatively successful. Nate and, and the rest of my children can come out of that and still be successful, but the church does not work that way. They have to be joined and knit together. Always. It says you are the body of Christ and members individually. The body cannot survive without every other part. You're going to struggle if you lose one of these feet, one of these hands, one of these eyes. One of these ears, the body is going to be in pain. The body is going to be suffering. The body is not going to be able to operate at its full capacity. It needs everyone. If you look at a church, any church, right? The whole church of God, but let's just talk about the way right now. We suffer if one of you is not here. Not physically, right? Somebody didn't show up, it's not a big deal. No, but if God knit us together and says, you are a body, every part matters. Amen. You know, when I was talking to, to uh, the elders this morning saying, you know, hey, who's going to be able to testify, and I really wanted Maribel to share. And Maribel's been here for a little while now, and I, I was thinking to myself, man, she might be uncomfortable. She might not want to come up there and talk. And, and, but, I, but at the same time, I was thinking, but man, her part matters. What God is doing in her right now, it matters. What the Spirit is doing in her, it matters. So I hope that she comes. Amen? And then she got up here like she's been on stage her whole life. So I just want to give a shout-out to Gary in the back. You know... That's my dude, you know, he was. <laughs> but why does it matter? Because listen, she could be that part of the body that doesn't say anything, just sits there, nobody ever hears her, nobody ever sees her, and the body doesn't realize, like, man, God says, no, but I put her there, she's part of the body, she matters, and the rest of you will be blessed because of, here, because of her. So when she opens her mouth, I don't know about the rest of you, but I was blessed. Every part of this body matters. But it says this, that you are the body of Christ and members individually. What it means to be an individual member is you are still unique, though. We're not all ears and we're not all eyes. We're not all hands. We're not all feet. We're all different. We are all unique. However, something, something special about membership is that you choose to be a member. You don't just automatically become a member of something. You have to choose. You have to say, hey, I'm going to pay my dues. I want to be part of this thing. I want to be a member of this. I want to be part of this particular community. When you give your life to Jesus and you say, you've taken all of my sins and I'm taking all of your righteousness, what you are saying is, I am down to be part of this community. Amen. I have chosen to be a member. Nobody made you a member of anything that you're a member of right now. You may have got all inspired in, in January and, and signed up to be a member of the local 24-hour fitness, but they didn't come to your house and take money from you. You made that down payment. <laughs> it 
You think about work, you think about family, and, and look at what God does. He says, listen, that work community that you're a part of, that you can come in and out of, and you can change teams, blah, blah, blah. He says, there's something special about work, right, and being able to provide and, and, and having your needs met. He says, but if you come into the kingdom, there's work to be done, but it's a different type of job, right? I, heard, I told you guys right now, how long would I be going to Scancy if they didn't pay me, right? And then a little while ago, I told you that there's, there's five teachers who have been teaching for three years and haven't got a dime for it because it's a different kind of work Amen. and you're doing it for a different reason. Amen. Talk about family. God takes the family and he says to us, hey, listen, that five of you, that's awesome. What a blessing. That new baby you have, what a blessing. It's great. But you are now part of a bigger family. And it's not based on the blood that you share. It's based on the blood that my son shed. And he says, listen, I know how much you love that family you have, and that's great. I put that in you. But you need to love the greater family more than your family. And he says, I'm not just going to tell you to do that and hope that you can, you can accomplish it. I'm going to show you how by sacrificing my son first. <laughs> it's a new kind of family. It's a new type of community. It's a new type of body, and it's a new type of membership. Churches have membership and people lose their mind. You want me to sign a document saying I'm, gonna, I'm going to love? <laughs> you want me to sign a document saying that I'm going to read my Bible and give one out of $10? I'm going down the street where nobody knows me and there's no membership. He says, I'm willing to die for you. and make you part of a new body. So here's what I want to do this morning. I'm going to read a story to you and um, <clears throat> just point out a couple of things about an advancing kingdom, an advancing community, and how to advance well. How to advance well. If we're going to be a missional community, which I believe we already are, but we need to be a better one. I love what Miss Connie said. I thought I knew about salvation. I thought I knew about baptism. I thought I was already praying, but I know more now that I didn't really know. And I want to share with others. This is, this is kind of what I want to say about our church has always been missional, but I think we can be better at being missional. Yes. Amen? This is the book of Numbers, chapter 32. I'm going to read through verse, or, yeah, through verse 33, so just try to, try to stay along with me. It says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and a very great multitude of livestock when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, At Adaroth, Dabon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elilah, Shabam, Nebo, and Beyond. We should change those names, but they're talking to a lot of people. And they say to them, the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. Moses said to the children of Gad, to the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now while... Why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshkol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger was aroused on that day, and he swore an oath, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt 
from 20 years old and above shall see the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, except Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kizanite, Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. Real quick, stop there at verse 13. They're coming and saying, can we stay here? Moses says, this has happened before. You're going to discourage the people. Moses sent uh, uh, 12 spies to spy out the land, the promised land, and say, can we take it? Can we go? And everybody came back, and they were just discouraging. There's giants there. It's going to be hard. We don't want to fight anymore. I'm tired. I barely have enough to pay my own bills. My family's struggling. And then Joshua and Caleb were like, yeah, it looks really, really crazy over there, but there's giant fruit. I believe God is with us. Let's take the land. Only two we're willing to do whatever it took to keep going for what God had for them. And Moses is telling these groups, you're just like those 10 that are negative and you're going to discourage everybody. Verse 14, Moses says, And look, you've risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. If you turn away from following him, he'll once again leave them in the wilderness and you'll destroy all these people. Then they came near to him and said, we will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will be armed, ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place. And our little ones will dwell in fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond because our inheritance has fallen to us on the eastern side of the Jordan. Then Moses said to them, If you do this thing, if you arm yourselves before the Lord for the war, and all you armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies before, from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you may return and be blameless before the Lord and, and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones, and folds for your sheep, and do what has proceeded out of your mouth. And the children of Gad, the children of Reuben, they spoke to Moses, saying, Your servants will do as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our livestock will be there in the cities of Gilead. But your servants will cross over, every man armed for war before the Lord to battle, just as my Lord says. Almost there, guys. So Moses gave command concerning them to Eleazar the priest and to Joshua the son of Nun and to the chief fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. i got to stop for one more second. Verse 28. Moses has this conversation, tells them about, about what happened with Joshua and Caleb and the other spies that went in, and he tells them, listen, this has gone bad before. They're saying, it's not going to happen this time. And then when Moses is done telling them, he goes and he talks to the priest and he talks to Joshua. He says, Joshua, you remember what happened when I sent the 12 of you and those shady 10 that came back all negative? <laughs> I'm just preparing you. I'm giving another group an opportunity. But I want to tell you, Joshua, you know how this went last time. Get ready, Joshua. 
Verse 29, Moses said to them, If the children of Gad and the children of, of Reuben cross over the Jordan with you, every man armed for battle before the Lord, and the land is subdued before you, then you shall give them the land of Gilead as a possession. But if they don't, remember he's talking to the priest and he's talking to Joshua. He's saying, but if they don't cross over armed with you, they shall have possessions among you. They shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. Then the children of Gad and the children of Reuben answered, saying, As the Lord has said to your servants, so we will do. We will cross over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan, but the possessions of our inheritance shall remain with us on this side of the Jordan. So Moses gave to the children of Gad, the children of Reuben, the half-tribe of Manasseh, and the, who's the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land with its cities within the borders, the cities of the surrounding country. Moses gave them the land. Right? They asked for it. They said, look, we've got livestock. They've got places for livestock. We've already conquered this area. Give us the land. And Moses gives it to them after this conversation. At this point, the children of Israel have not crossed over into the promised land, but they've begun to take some land. God took them out of Egypt way over here, and he said, that is the promised land. That's where I'm going to take you. Many of us know the story, 40 years, disobedience, they're in the wilderness, but they've now begun to take some land. They haven't got to the promised land, but they've gotten something good, something better than what they had before. If you know the story, Moses is not allowed to go into the promised land. He's not allowed to cross over. He's not allowed to lead the people into the promised land because of his own disobedience. The Bible says, not, let, let not many of you become leaders because you will receive a stricter judgment. Don't be up in here trying to teach classes if you ain't going to live it. Don't be trying to grab the microphone and pray if you're not praying outside of the church. Don't talk about what the church should be doing if you're not invested in the church. And Moses, because of his disobedience in one area, imagine that. He's been obedient in so many areas. He went back and fought Egypt <laughs> and took the children out. You would think that that gets him a little bit of grace where God might overlook some things. If you're looking for God to overlook some things, you're looking to the wrong one. He'll pay for them and he'll bless you and he'll forgive you, but he ain't going to overlook. Even Moses, he was like, Moses, I told you to speak to the rock and you hit the rock because you were angry. And you still wanted the people to get some water, but you were angry. And because of that, you're going to die over here on this side in the wilderness. <laughs> Dang, God. And do you think Moses started pouting? He went and sat down somewhere. We're not going to do nothing else. He kept leading. Amen. Crazy. That's where the children of Israel are all right now. So think about this. He can't go in, but Moses is still making plans for the community to advance. He's not going to get to go. He's going to die on this side. But as a man of God, he's not thinking about himself and what he's suffered and what he's done. He says, listen, I know that the community is still going to advance. So Joshua, as you advance, as the community advances, listen to Reuben and Gad and his half-tribe of Manasseh, what they committed to. The kingdom has to advance. The community has to advance. And that's Moses' focus. What's your focus? So you have these tribes, Reuben, Gad, these are the 12 tribes of Israel, so three of them, or two and a half. Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they decided that they've gone far enough, and they want to settle, right? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you sometimes feel like, man, I've gone far enough? <laughs> you can look at this two ways, right? One way is to say, we've gone farther 
than we ever have before, and we're satisfied with what God has done. We just want to settle here, and we want to be grateful. I remember early on in my salvation feeling like, because everything was new to me, right? So you take two or three steps, and you're like, man, I've never been here before. I haven't been high in weeks. I've never been here before. I want to be faithful. I've never been here before. I want to give. I can't wait till I get paid. I want to give. Like every place that you've come when you get saved is like, it's a brand new place. So you can look at it like this. Like every now and then, it's natural to say, look, I've never been here before and I'm good. Like God, this is a great place for me. I have livestock and there's a place for livestock here. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to give. I'm going to not get loaded anymore. Like this is awesome. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is like, I don't care what happens, I will not stop until I get to the promised land. Like, this is awesome, this is great, this is amazing, never been here before. (laughs) But I'm not gonna settle here because he said, I have a land flowing with milk and honey. I have promises for you there. I have destiny for you there. I have victory for you there. And I have a plan. And it's a, it's a full plan. And it, it's supposed to be over there. I got to go. So listen. <laughs> I think there's some validity to both of those feelings and both of those ways of living. I'm not going to focus on that this morning because... I also believe this, there are some people who like, it's never get enough, right? They'll go to the promised land and then through it to, to the unpromised land. Like they never want to stop, right? A lot of people feel that way when they talk to me, like, no, we just haven't made it yet. Let's keep going, right? There's some people who are never satisfied and I don't think that's a good thing. But there's also some people who are just lazy <laughs> and don't want to fight battles. So they always feel like they're in the right spot. This is the spot. I know this is where I'm, I want to settle right here. No, you just don't want to fight anymore. Yep. You're just lazy. You're just tired, maybe. So I don't want to deal with either one of those today. <laughs> what I want to do is the most important part for us this morning is the fact that individual desire and a decision to settle is made with the full understanding that there's still a part of the community that is advancing, right? So let's not look at who's going to go to the promised land and who wants to settle here. They made a decision that they wanted to settle here, right? They had a desire to settle here. For whatever reasons, they wanted to settle here on this side of the Jordan. That's all good, and that's fine. But when they made the decision, they also said this, the rest of our community is still advancing, and we are aware of it. That's what's important to me this morning. That's what I hope is important to you this morning. Listen to what they said in verse 16. They came near to Moses and they said to him, we'll build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will be armed, ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place. It's okay if you want to settle here. It's okay if you're happy here. It's okay if you want to praise God from this place, but it is not okay to forget about the rest of the community. If you're going to settle for your safety and for your children and for your finances and for your livestock, praise God for that. But you better pick up a weapon and say, I will keep fighting until everybody has settled. 
I love to see people able to settle. In the sense that young people are settled on getting their education, going off to college. Couples that aren't married are getting married. I love it. It's like there's a settling that's happening. Like, oh, there's this peace coming, right? I love to see families are growing. Babies are being born, right? We had a bunch of them screaming earlier. They must have gave them Benadryl. <laughs> but do you, you know what I mean? Like when, you know how crazy it is when like you're just building a family? Zach testified on, on uh, I think Wednesday night about some of that. Like, man, I got, I got babies and I got bills and like life is crazy. But then you see this settling like, oh, we're, we're getting it. We're getting in it. It's coming together. God is faithful, right? People's finances are settling. Like, can't even keep gas in the car at some point. And the next thing you know, like, there's a few dollars in the savings. The bills are paid, like, a month in advance. It's like, man, look at that. that you see the settling. They went to financial peace class that Ray and Sarah lead. And, like, there's a settling that's happening. And my heart, like, I'm jumping for joy when I see these things happening in people's lives, right? The peace of God is beginning to reign in their lives. And I, I think in many ways, that's, that's one of God's ultimate goals. Let the peace of God reign in your lives, right? What I don't like is when I see those people and those families forget about the rest of the body. They seem to forget that we're part of a community that's still advancing. There's always others who haven't settled yet. There's always others who haven't received their inheritance yet. So when, so when your marriage is starting to be healed, and your, your kids are starting to be healthy, and your finances are starting to stabilize, and the peace of God is beginning to reign, you cannot forget that there are people out there yes. who don't have that yet. That's right. It's still crazy. It's still turmoil. It's still battle. And while you're sitting down thanking God for the peace on this side of the Jordan, bombs and explosions are going off in their lives over there. And God is saying, I didn't give you the peace so you could just sit there. I expected you to, to thank me for it and then pick up your weapon and go battle. Amen. Because you are a missional community and a missional community that's advancing. In our church, I'll tell you what my hope is. I hope that crazy, jacked up, tore up, addicted, perverted, all kinds of people keep walking through these doors every single week. That's why we do outreach, because we go in to look for the lost. The highways and the byways, the people that I was, I don't know about the rest of you, that's how I was when they let me into the church. They needed security. They should have had security. They should have had like background checks. When I came into the church, everybody was at risk. <laughs> people come out praising like, dang, I thought I left my wallet in the car. Did I, baby? <laughs> but that's what the church was supposed to be. I want people like me. I want people like you guys. I ain't pointing no fingers, but y'all jacked up too. At least you were when you got here. Like, that's what the church should be like. And we should see people getting saved every week, every month. Like, people getting saved, giving their life to Jesus. You know what that means? For those of you who have gotten comfortable, those of you that have settled, those of you that are experiencing the peace of God, there's always some battles that you could be fighting for others. Yes. There's always some help that you could be providing. There's always a need to, for somebody else that, that has to go and get the promises of God. An advancing community. What a wonderful thing to be part of something like that. And I'm not pointing the fingers at other churches or other people, but I think some of us have a vision of church and some of us have a vision of Christianity that it's all about security, safety, peace, tranquility. And that ain't it. We're not trying to be the most civilized church around. 
We're not trying to be like, look, look at our people. They all have their act together. Like, that's not what I read in the scriptures. And that's not what I've seen in my experience of ministering. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. <clears throat> this is Jesus. He said to them, take, here, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. He spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? He said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I'll store all my crops and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This night your soul will be required of you. Then, those, then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus tells the story. He says, listen, beware of covetousness. Beware of just getting your peace. Beware of just getting your stuff. Beware of just caring about your boy, your girl. Beware of just your finances. Don't live like that. He says, this man is looking to say, how can I settle well? How can I have the best settlement and have the most peace and the most joy? God's already blessing me here. What am I going to do? He says, I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones so that all the blessings of God can stay here, stay here, stay here. Jesus says, why are you storing up your treasures here? Right? You should be storing treasures in heaven. And the way to store treasures in heaven is you already have enough. Bless others. That's a missional community. That's a body that's caring for one another. If your rent is paid and you haven't looked around the church to see if somebody else's isn't, you're building bigger barns. If your kid's going to conference and you haven't asked if there's another parent that needs a little support for their kid to go, you're building bigger barns. If your marriage is strong, and you haven't looked around to say, hey, is there a couple that maybe we could hang out with? Just to just hang out with them, to maybe show them some things, minister to them, just be an example to them. We're building bigger barns. That's not a missional community. That's staying on this side and not picking up a weapon to fight. There are a lot of places you can go and get encouragement to be like that, but you can't get that here. <laughs> How do we advance well? I'm not telling you to go provide for people that are not willing to work for themselves. I'm not telling you to give somebody money that you saw them at the club or you saw them at the casino or you see them doing stupid things with their money. What I am saying is, good Lord, if they're going to financial peace and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're trying their hardest and they're $50 short, well, maybe you can't go to Olive Garden this week because you're going to meet the need for them. I'm not calling the people from Skanska. I'm calling the people from this church. <laughs> My kids don't need an Xbox 17. My kids are playing a Wii from like 1990-something with one remote because the other one's broken. I don't care. I don't care. I'm trying to, I, could, I could buy them the new uh, PlayStation whatever it is for $300, or I could send one of these youth or young adults to conference and have their life changed forever. I'm not just going to be comfortable here because I get to settle. I'm going to pick up a weapon and keep fighting for those who haven't settled yet. But that's the pastor's job, right? I'm pretty sure that this is written to everybody. Does yours, does, does yours say pastor on it? 
the New King James pastor version. And then the, the regular people version is just like one sheet. <laughs> I need that Bible that's for the member of the congregation, one sheet. Show up on Sundays. Give if you want to. Pray sometimes if something bad is happening. That's not how it works. We all get the same book. <laughs> we all get the same book, same expectations, same requirements. Why? Because the Bible said we've all been baptized into the same family by the same spirit. <laughs> Somebody came to me the other day and said, somebody needs a ride. I'm like, you got a car? <laughs> no, somebody wants to come to church, Pastor, they need a ride. Okay, like, how'd you get to church? <laughs> it must be in that pastor Bible again, you shall pick up everybody who wants a ride. <laughs> Some people wouldn't even have listened when the person said they wanted a ride. Some people wouldn't have remembered. So thank God for that person that came and talked to me. But you get what I'm trying to say. Like, we are all in this together. Yeah. We should all be thinking about each other. Yes. We're almost there. Let's look at the advancement into the promised land, right? Moses hands the torch over to Joshua. After he has this conversation with him, he's like, hey, my time is done. The Lord told me I can't go in. I know you're going to go in. We're planning for the advancement of the community. Let's look and see what happens. We fast forward from Numbers in the Old Testament up to uh, Joshua. Chapter 4. It says, it came to pass, all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan. The Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe. Command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's foot stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, and said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? You shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded. Took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua. According to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and they laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. And, there to, and they are there to this day. So the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until, every, until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. This community is advancing. <laughs> They're going to go and take the promised land. This is like the moment, the critical moment where they go from the east to the west. The Jordan has to be, many of us know about the Red Sea parting when they came out of, of Egypt. But to me, this is just as significant, just as important, right? When you come out of, out, of out of death and bondage in Egypt 
and God parts the Red Sea and you get to cross over into salvation. You've been saved for Egypt. That's amazing. You're saved. But when you get to cross over from just being saved and still being in, in your old life, you get to cross over from that into the promised land. Ooh. <laughs> and God did the same thing. He stopped the waters of this river so that they could walk across it. This is a critical moment. There's still more fighting to do, but listen to what it says. God has all these things that he's orchestrating and ways that it has to happen. Trumpets have to blow, priests in first, people cross over, all that. But then it says, those men from Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they, they kept their promise. They were ready to fight. They were already, like, safe. They were already home. They said that they built places for their kids places for their livestock, and they left all that behind. They risked everything, including their lives, to make sure that other people could come into the promised land. That's our heritage. Amen. You don't come from a weak heritage. You don't come from a group of selfish people. Our history is not a history of people that do whatever it takes for them to be happy. Our history is a group of people who will honor God and do whatever it takes for the whole community to get where God is taking them. Ooh, that may be your family heritage, the Jarrett community. <laughs> that may be what you experience every single day at work when everybody's about themselves and their promotion and they hope you get fired and they hope you get in trouble with the boss. That's not the history of the church. That's, right. That's not the community that we've entered into. This group of people are fighting for the community. They're not resting in peace, right? No pun intended, but that's really what it is. If God gave you something and you're just resting in peace, enjoying your peace, it's like being dead. You're resting in peace, like, just go on and go to heaven already so we can get somebody else that's broke but willing to fight. <laughs> they're fighting for the community. And listen to this, not only are they fighting, but they're fighting on the front lines. The wealthiest people in this church should be the ones fighting on the front lines. The best marriages in this church should be the ones fighting on the front lines. The kids who are not involved in the drama and are serving God with passion and fervor, they should be the ones fighting on the front lines. Those of you that just had babies, you shouldn't be in hiding, you should be fighting on the front lines. <laughs> Mary was telling stories yesterday, and I can't believe some of the things we did about mission trips that we went on. Mary was, was nine months pregnant, and I took her to TJ <laughs> with a youth from the church like these kids' age. And we, we borrowed Ray McKell's car, and it broke down on the way back to the border. And I'm like, dang, I got to act like I'm really strong and secure and not scared right now. <laughs> Called a tow truck to come, to come work on the thing. They put us in the back of the, tr the tow truck and drove for an hour through side streets of TJ. I'm like, we're for sure going to die. I'm telling Mary, like, look, if I open the door, run. Carlos, you got to fight. I know you're only like 16 right now, bro, but you got to fight so that Mary and this baby can make it. <laughs> and so we get there. We actually find like a, uh, the, the shop that we're going to that wasn't even a real shop. It was just like a regular person's house with cars being worked on on the side. We pay all this money, way more than it was worth, to get the car fixed. We get back on the road, and we're in the line to cross the border. Like, we got two hours, but you could see the border. There's a million cars, and the car breaks down again. Starts spitting up smoke, and it breaks down again. I call Ray. I'm like, hey, bro, this is for the kingdom. I got to sell your car. <laughs> I got to sell the car right now. 
we're gonna walk across the border. And not only do I gotta sell your car, but we need a ride. <laughs> and, and this man is not saying, well, what about my family? What about my wife? What about our, our goals? He's like, all right, bro, sell it. <laughs> I sell the car on the side of the road. Now picture, Mary's pregnant, Carlos is 16, and we're running down the side of the street to the border. We went down there to do an outreach for some church that we don't serve in, that we don't belong to, to some people that we'll never see again. Speaking Spanish, I had, I had like four words. Jesucristo vivo en tu corazón. See? Church tonight, 6 o'clock. That's it. For Jesus. And I thought it was a great idea to take my wife down there like that. We get across the border. It's like we made it. It's just like, it's just like Manasseh and Gad and Reuben. Like we made it to safety, right? So here you are. It's like this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. We're back in America. <laughs> when we were in like some crazy neighborhood in TJ, we made it, right? And then my phone rings. And it's Ray. He's like, hey, uh, where you at? I said, man, we just made it. Thanks for calling the check on us, bro. Like, we, we're back. We're back. He's like, uh, where's the car? I said, it's, it's in Mexico, man. It's a Mexican car now. <laughs> says, hey, uh, I left Sarah's wedding ring in the visor. I'm like, hey, bro, I'm safe. <laughs> Like, I've got livestock and there's a space for livestock here, <laughs> right? I have a choice to make. I can either rest in peace in my safety and be like, bro, you got to get a new ring. Or I can pick up a weapon and start fighting again. <laughs> I look at the 16-year-old, I'm like, hey, we're going back to Mexico. <laughs> we run back across the border, get back on the other side of the freeway, run to the car. We had, the Bible says, be wise as serpent as gentle in doves. We had a wise as serpent's plan. I said, listen, when we get back, they ain't going to just let us get back in the car. That's their car now. I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say we left something in the trunk. And when I get in to pull the thing, you go running to the trunk. I guarantee you they're going to follow you to see what's in the trunk. Yeah. Oh. I jump in. I said, hey, man, we left something in the car. He said, it's my car now. I said, we should grab something out of the trunk real quick. I, I hit the button. Carlos runs to the back. He runs to the back. Hit the visor. Ring comes out. Carlos, catch up! Come on! <laughs> so not only am I home and the baby's fine and me and Carlos and, and Mary have this great experience, but like Raymond said, like he still gets to be married. His wife still loves him. We get into the promised land. He gets into the promised land. It's, it's, it's one of many stories I have like that of doing crazy things that I should probably have no business doing, but I can't stop fighting. I can't stop going. I can't stop thinking about others that need to inherit their promised land, whether I get to see them, whether they're part of my community or not. But how much more for this community? What are you willing to do for the people sitting across from you? What are you willing to sacrifice for the people sitting across from you? What are you willing to go back into even though he saved you out of it and gave you a place of safety for the people sitting across from you? <clears throat> In this church, we've seen people begin to see the fruits of obedience, but I love when I see them fighting for those who are still struggling. 
that gives me the most joy when people are, are telling me like, these people are going through it, but we gotta do something. We gotta do something. You know, the, the, I made a little bit of joke about the person talking about the ride, but what they were saying to me is like, this person wants to be in church, and we as a church have a responsibility to do something to get them here. You know what I told them? I said, listen, we've been praying about it, and we're gonna try to get a church van. I said, but somebody's still gotta drive it. <laughs> Somebody has to get up earlier to come over here and get the van and go pick up the people who can't make it here on their own. So we need somebody who's willing to fight. Everybody here, I want to tell you as we close, everybody here needs to be fighting. That means the haves and the have-nots. It's not just the haves fighting for the have-nots. It's the have-nots saying, look, I got two mites, but here you go, Jesus. Right. <laughs> my, my arm is broken, but I got one that still works good. Amen. I roll with a limp, but once, once I get stable, I can still kick somebody. <laughs> like everybody's got to fight. I can't stand it, but my, my pastor used to say this to me. He's like, I hate getting in, in fights with people I don't trust. Like, I'm fighting and throwing blows, and they're, they're hiding somewhere, acting like they're fighting. They're off where nobody's at, shadow boxing like. <laughs> and I just always laugh because he was a fighter. He loved to fight when we were in school, and then he even fought afterwards in school. But I didn't really realize what he was talking about until I started leading the church. I'm like, man, there's a lot of people who act like they're fighting, and they're not fighting. You're, you think you're back to back and you're like, you doing, how are you doing over there? And they're over here like this. <laughs> and you're wondering why you're getting hit in the back of the head. I'm like, dude, there must be a bunch of them. There's only one other person over there. <laughs> you're just not fighting. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a scene in, in one of my favorite movies, The Matrix. And, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna let you guys go. Give me one minute. The Matrix, I think it's like the third one, and they walk into this club, and there's only three of them. And there's, there's just enemies everywhere, people with guns everywhere, and what they decide to do is they get back to back, and there's three of them, right? So picture three people back to back, and they've got their guns, and, and they're just walking in a circle, right, through this place. So the idea is that as a community, they're moving, but they're all fighting. And they're not just stationary. Like, they're not just walking forward. This person's always fighting frontwards. This person's always fighting backwards. This person's aside. As they rotate, what they're saying is like, we're going to fight on all angles. Sometimes I'll be fighting my battle. Then all of a sudden, I'm fighting your battle. Then all of a sudden, I'm fighting your battle. But we're all battling, but we're advancing. And I thought about it this week. I was like, man, that's the picture of the church, where we get back to back. We're rotating as individuals, but as a community, we're advancing, and we're all fighting everybody else's battle. Everybody has to be fighting, though. If one person in that group is not fighting, we are going to lose real quick. Earlier, I shared 1 Corinthians 12, 25. There should be no schism in the body. The members should have the same care for one another. And if any one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Amen. Ephesians 4, 16 says, The whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Every part's got to do its share. Everybody has to do something. I believe that this church is a church that's advancing. I want to make sure that we all understand how important it is for every individual and every family to focus on the advancement of the whole community. Focus on your own advancement. Go to the courses. 
Focus on your own advancement. Come for prayer. Come to the altar like it is about you. You, you God does want you to be settled. God does want you to be blessed. But not at, at, the, uh, at the detriment of the whole body being blessed. A missional community is an advancing community. Individuals are part of a body. Your, your success should mean the success of others. And others' difficulty should mean some difficulty for you. Amen. Let's stand. <clears throat> in a second I'm going to give you an opportunity to come for prayer and come for communion come for some time of worship um, but I want to close with, uh, with one last scripture <clears throat> out of the book of Joshua chapter 22 after everything that we read, listen to this, how, how it ends. We stopped with them crossing over, and we stopped with uh, Reuben and Gad and Manasseh having their swords out, ready to fight. We're just going to cross over. If you read through the rest of uh, Joshua from chapter uh, 4, where we were, battle after battle, battle, Jericho and this kingdom and that kingdom, and they're taking the promised land, and everything God said he was going to do, he did it, but it came through literally blood, sweat, and tears. And this is what it says in Joshua 22. Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and he said to them, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. You have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days up to this day, but you have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren as he promised them. Now, therefore, return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Love the Lord your God. Walk in all his ways. Keep his commandments and hold fast to him. Serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. If we're obedient to God and we do what he told us to do, believe me, he is going to be faithful to his promises. He's going to give us the land. He's going to give us what, what we've been waiting for, what we've been, what we've been asking for, what we've been desiring. I've seen it over and over and over again where people come in and they've got nothing. They may think they have something, but they've got nothing. But because of the faithfulness of others here, I watch them take the promised land. They get their marriages back. They get their kids back. They get their finances. They get joy. They get forgiveness of sin. They get it all. But we have to keep fighting for that, and we have to keep fighting for them. And then listen, listen to what God says at the end here. Joshua says, hey, listen, you kept fighting. And look, look at all these people that now are, are safe. Look at all these people that have their promises. Now you can go back and, and be comfortable. God's going to give you retirement. <laughs> God's going to give you joy. God's going to give you summer vacations. God's going to give you, uh, he's going to give you all kinds of stuff. But it comes after you've been fighting. It's later. As I look around the church right now, I just got to be honest with you. I don't see anybody of retirement age. <laughs> I don't see anybody where I feel like God is saying, you know what, you've done enough. 
Stop fighting for others and just focus on yourself. Eat, drink, and be merry. If that's you, you can talk to me after service and we'll figure it out. <laughs> but for the rest of you, man, take up your weapon, cross over the Jordan for others, yes. keep fighting if you're a have, and don't make any excuses if you're a have not. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me this morning. <clears throat> so how, how do you become a member of this community? How do you become part of this family? How, how does your mind switch off how important yours is and, and, and switch on this idea of how important the family that Jesus died for is? How do you get from a place where you carry the burden of your sins to a place where you're able to lay them down and, and truly walk away from everything you've ever done in your life, everything that was ever wrong, everything that was ever sinful and hurtful, the things that you were doing to yourself, the things that you were doing to, to others? What is the roadmap to just wipe all that away? I'll tell you this, it's not a course. <laughs> it's not a, a, a five-step plan to victory. It's one single decision to put your faith in Jesus. He said, on the cross, it is finished. What that means is he made a way for everything to be changed. You get a new heart. You get a new mind. Your sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. He hasn't just forgotten about them. He paid the price for them. It's not like you get off uh, scot-free and you, you escape what, it, what needed to be paid for. Somebody has come and paid the price for you. You really are free and it has been paid. But a decision has to be made. You have to say, I want Jesus. I want faith. I want this family. I want a new beginning. The Bible calls it being born again. I want to start all over and make Jesus the Lord of my life. Nobody becomes part of this family. Nobody becomes a member without doing that. So if that's you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Between you and the Lord, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, make him Lord of your life and ask him to forgive you of your sins, would you just raise your hand so I could see you this morning? I see you, my brother. I see you. The Lord sees you. I'm so glad you're here. Anybody else this morning, Jesus is going to be Lord of your life. You're not going to go back to what you were and what you used to, to think and how you used to live as you walk out of these doors. Anybody else this morning? Before we move, hallelujah. Can we just give the Lord a hand for our brother here this morning? Thank you, Jesus. So I want to pray, and then I'm going to open the altars for you to come for prayer. Lord, I thank you for this young man. I thank you for the seeds that were planted so long ago, Lord God. I thank you for the work that you've been doing in him. I thank you for every situation and circumstance, Lord, that has led him to this moment, Lord, and this decision. I thank you that you gave him the strength to identify himself with you and say, I want you to be Lord of my life, Lord God. What an amazing thing it is. As members of the community that he is entering into, as this new family that he has, Lord, we are so grateful that we get to witness you moving. Some people say they've never felt you, they've never seen you, they've never seen you move in somebody's life, but we cannot leave here saying that this morning. We're so grateful, Lord. We ask that you would strengthen him, bless him, place a hedge of protection around him, remind him that he is entering into a battle. This is not a retirement home. This is not a place of, of just safety. The only thing that's secure in his life is his salvation. You have forgiven him. Everything else is going to have to be fought for. Lord, I pray that there would be others here that are willing to fight for him. 
Others here that are willing to sacrifice for him. Others here, Lord, that are willing to help make sure that the needs that he has and his family has are met, Lord God. Only one community like you, Lord, your body. For the rest of you who are here, I want to open the altars for, uh, for, for two things. The first is if you want to commit to fighting for others, even if you're trying to settle and find peace for yourself. If you're here, it's okay to be trying to settle, trying to find peace, trying to get what God has for you. Keep doing that. But if you would like to say this morning that you want prayer, that you would, God would give you a supernatural portion of his spirit and his heart to fight for others at the same time, I want to pray for you. It's possible. It's, it's what he desires for you. Get what you want. Get what he has for you. But keep fighting for others. Not tomorrow when you've already made it. Today while you're still fighting for it. If that's you, the altars are open for you. The other one is just anything. If anything ministered to you, if you want prayer, if God spoke to you, we want to seal it in prayer. Our prayer team will, will place hands on you. They'll talk to you. They'll pray with you as we close. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And young man, Raymond, if you would come up here as well. Just stand right here. I'm going to have uh, Gary. Amen. Would you come and stand with Raymond here? Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. <clears throat> and then when we're done praying, we're going to open up communion as we worship. Lord, I'm just so grateful for you this morning that you are alive and well. You said that we don't serve a dead God, that you are alive. And we just feel that and we know that this morning. Breathe life upon your people. Jesus, you were in the upper room with the disciples. You breathed on them and you said, receive my spirit, Lord. That's what we desire here in this place this morning. I ask that you would bless this newly saved young man, Lord. You've known him before he was in his mother's womb, Lord God. Bless him. For those who have come, Lord, let them be fighters. Let them be battlers. It doesn't matter if everything is perfect in their life, if they've been able to settle or not. Let them take up their weapon and fight for others as they... listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.